Chapter Five of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Five: Melanie's Dreams. Midnight in the relaxation of slumber could subtract nothing from the high-brow dignity of the club officials, and the message that was waiting for Mister Van Camp was delivered in the most correct manner mr hambleton sends word to mr van camp that he has gone away on the jeanne d'arc mr hambleton may not be back for some time and requests mr van camp to look after the seagull very well thank you replied aleck rather absent-mindedly he was unable to see immediately just what challenge in his own plan the sudden turn of jim's would cause and he was for the moment too deeply preoccupied with his own personal affairs to speculate much about it his thoughts went back to the events of the evening recalled the picture of his diana and her teasing ways and dwelt especially upon the honest friendly wholly bewitching look that had flown to him at the end of the evening absurd as his own attempt at a declaration had been he somehow felt that he himself was not absurd in melanie's eyes though he was far from certain whether she was inclined to marry him aleck on his part had not come to his decision suddenly or impulsively nor having arrived there was he to be turned from it easily true as it was that he sincerely and affectionately desired melanie reynier for a wife yet on the whole he was a very cool romeo he was manly but he was calculating he was honourably disposed toward matrimony but he was not reborn with love and so in the sober bedroom of the club he quickly fell into the good sleep induced by fatigue and healthy nerves morning brought counsel and a disposition to renew operations a note was dispatched to his diana by a private messenger and the boy was bidden to wait for an answer it came presently come at twelve if you wish melanie Rainier. aleck smiled with satisfaction here was a wise venture going through happily he hoped he was pleased that she had named the very hour he had asked for the night before that was like her good frank way of meeting a situation and it augured well for the unknown emergencies of their future life he had little patience with timidity and traditional coyness in women and great admiration for an open and fearless spirit melanie's note almost set his heart thumping but not quite and no one understood the cool nature of that organ better than melanie herself the ladies in the apartment at the archangel had lingered at the breakfast the austerity of which had been mitigated by a centre decoration of orchids and fern fresh touched with dew or so madame reynier had described them to melanie as she brought them to her with the card of mr lloyd jones miss reynier smiled faintly admired the blossoms and turned away the ladies usually spoke french with each other though occasionally madame reynier dropped into the harsher speech of her native country on this morning she did this telling melanie for the tenth time in as many days that in her opinion they ought to be going home madame considered this her duty and felt no real responsibility after the statement was made nevertheless she was glad to find melanie disposed to discuss the matter a little further 
do you wish to go home auntie or is it that you think i ought to go i don't wish to go without you child you know that and i am very comfortable here but his highness your cousin is very impatient i see that in every letter from krovetz you offended him deeply by putting off your marriage to count lorenzo and every day now deepens his indignation against you i don't like to discuss these things melanie but i suspect that your action deprives him of a very necessary revenue and i understand better than you do to what lengths your cousin is capable of going when he is displeased you are by the law of your country his ward until you marry would it not be better to submit to him in friendship rather than to incur his enmity after all he is your next of kin the head of your family and a very powerful man if we are going home at all we ought to go now but suppose we should decide not to go home at all you will have to go some time dear child you are all alone except for me and in the nature of things you can't have me always now that you are young you think it an easy thing to break away from the ties of blood and birth but believe me it isn't easy you with your nature could never do it the call of the land is strong and the time will come when you will long to go home long to go back to the land where your father led his soldiers and where your mother was admired and loved madame Renier paused and watched her niece who with eyes cast down was toying with her spoon suddenly a crimson flush rose and spread over melanie's cheeks and forehead and neck and when she looked up into madame reynier's face she was gazing through unshed tears she rose quickly came round to the older woman's chair and kissed her cheek affectionately dear auntie you are very good to me and patient too it's all true i suppose but the prospect of home and count lorenzo together ah well she smiled reassuringly and again caressed madame reynier's gaunt old face i'll think it all over auntie dear madame reynier followed melanie into her sitting-room bringing the precious orchids in her two hands fearful lest the fragile vase should fall melanie regarded them a moment and then said she thought they would do better in the drawing-room i sometimes think the little garden pink quite as pretty as an orchid they aren't so much in mr lloyd john's style as these replied madame reynier she had a faculty of commenting pleasantly without the least hint of criticism this remark delighted melanie no i should never picture mr lloyd jones as a garden pink but then auntie you remember how eloquent he was about the hills and the stars that speech did not at all indicate a hot-house nature nevertheless i think his sentiments have been cultivated like his orchids not a bad achievement said melanie there was an interval of silence while the younger woman stood looking out of the window and madame reynier cut the leaves of a french journal she did not read however and presently she broke the silence i don't remember that mr van camp ever sent orchids to you mr van camp never gave me any kind of flower he thinks flowers are the most intimate of all gifts and should only be exchanged between sweethearts at least i heard him expound some such theory years ago when we first knew him 
madame smiled a significant smile if anyone had been looking nothing further was said until melanie unexpectedly shot straight to the mark with how do you think he would do auntie in place of count lorenzo madame reynier showed no surprise he is a sterling man but your cousin would never consent to it and if i should not consult my cousin my dear melanie that would entail many embarrassing consequences and embarrassments are worse than crimes melanie could laugh at that and did i've already answered a note from mr van camp this morning auntie no don't worry she playfully answered a sudden anxious look that came upon her aunt's countenance i've not said yes to him but he's coming to see me at twelve if i don't give him a chance to say what he has to say he'll take one anywhere he's capable of proposing on the street-cars besides i have something also to say to him well my dear you know best certainly i think you know best was madame reynier's last word mr van camp arrived on the stroke of twelve an expression of happiness on his lean quizzical face i'm supposing to be starting on a cruise he told melanie but luck is with me my cousin hasn't turned up or rather he turned up only to disappear instantly otherwise he would have dragged me off to catch the first ebb tide with me hanging back like an anchor chain is your cousin then such a tyrant oh yes he's a masterful man is jimmy and how did he disappear instantly it sounds mysterious it is mysterious but jim can take care of himself at least i hope he can the message said he had sailed on the jeanne d'arc whatever that is and that i was to look after our hired yacht the seagull melanie looked up startled the jeanne d'arc was it she cried are you sure but of course there must be many boats by that name are there not but did he say nothing more where he was going and why he changed his plans no not a word more than that why do you know of a boat named the jeanne d'arc yes very well but it cannot matter it must be another vessel surely meanwhile what are you going to do without your companion aleck rose from the slender gilt chair where as usual he had perched himself walked to the window and thrust his hands into his pockets for a contemplative moment then he turned and came to a stand squarely before melanie looking down on her with his quizzical honest eyes that depends melanie he said slowly upon whether you are going to marry me or not for a second or two melanie's eyes refused to lift but aleck's firm planted figure his steady gaze above all his dominating will forced her to look up there he was smiling strong big kindly melanie started to smile but for the second time that morning her eyes unexpectedly filled with tears i can't talk to you towering over me like that she said at last softly her smile winning against the tears aleck did not move i don't want you to talk to me about it all i want is for you to say yes but i'm not going to say yes at least i don't think i am do sit down aleck started straight for the gilt chair oh no not that you are four times too big for that chair besides it's quite valuable it's a louis quinze 
aleck indulged in a vicious kick at the ridiculous thing picked up an enormous leather-bottomed chair made apparently of lead and placed it jauntily almost beside miss rainier's chair but facing the other way this is much better thank you he said now tell me why you think you are not going to say yes to me melanie's mood of softness had not left her but sitting there face to face with this man face to face with his seriousness his masculine will and strength she felt that she had something yet to struggle for some deep personal right to be acknowledged it was with a dignity an aloofness that was quite real yet very sweet that she met this american lover he had her hand in his firm grasp but he was waiting for her to speak he was giving her the hearing that was in his opinion her right in the first place melanie began you ought to know more about me who i am and all that sort of thing i am in one sense not at all what i seem to be and that in the case of marriage is a dangerous thing it is an important thing at least but i do know who you are i knew long ago since you never referred to the matter of course i never did you are the princess august stephanie of krovetz cousin of the present duke stephen called king of krovetz you are even in line for the throne though there are two or three lives between you have incurred the displeasure of duke stephen and are practically an exile from your country a voluntary exile melanie corrected voluntary only in the sense that you prefer exile to absolute submission to the duke there is no alternative if you return melanie was silent aleck lifted the hand which he held touched it gently with his lips and laid it back beside his fellow on melanie's lap then he rose and lifted both hands before her half in fun and half in earnestness as if he were a courtier doing reverence to his queen see your highness how ready i am to do you homage only smile on the most devoted of your servants melanie could not resist his gentle gaiety it was as if they were two children playing at a story aleck in such a mood as this was as much fun as a dancing bear and in five minutes more he had won peals of laughter from melanie it was what he wanted to brighten her spirits so presently he came back to the big chair though he did not again take her hand i knew you were titled and important melanie and at first i thought that sealed my case entirely but you seem to forget your state seem not to care so very much about it and perhaps that made me think it was possible for us both to forget it or at least to ignore it i haven't a gold throne to give you but you're the only woman i've ever wanted to marry and i wasn't going to give up the chance until you said so do you know also that if i marry out of my rank and without the consent of duke stephen i shall forfeit all my fortune cut off without a cent aleck laughed but presently paused embarrassed for the first time since he had begun his plea i you know haven't millions but there's a decent income even for two and then i can always go to work and earn something he smiled at her giving information to a thirsty world about the gill slit as you call it it would be fun earning money for you i'd like to do it melanie smiled back at him 
but left her chair and wandered uneasily about the room as if turning a difficult matter over in her mind aleck stood by watching presently she returned to her chair pushed him gently back into his seat and dropped down beside him before she spoke she touched her fingers lightly almost lovingly along the blue veins of his big hand lying on the arm of the chair the hand turned like a magnet spring and imprisoned hers no dear friend not yet said mellie drawing away her hand yet not very quickly after all there is much to say to you and i have been wondering how to say it but i shall do it now like the heroes in the novels she smiled again i am going to tell you the story of my life good said aleck all ready for chapter one but your maid wants you at the door go away sophie said melanie serve luncheon to madame reynier alone i shall wait and you'll have to wait too poor man she looked scrutinizingly at aleck or are you perhaps hungry i'm not going to talk to a hungry man she announced not a bite till i've heard chapter thirty-nine said aleck in a moment she became serious again i have lived in england and here in america she began long enough to understand that the differences between your people and mine are more than differences of language and climate they are ingrained in our habits of thought our education our judgments of life and of people my childhood and youth were wholly different from yours or from what an american girl's could be and yet i think i understand your american women though i suppose i am not in the least like them but i on the other hand have seen the dark side of life and particularly of marriage when i was a child i was more important in my own country than i am now since it seemed then that my father would succeed to the throne i was brought up to feel that i was not a woman but a pawn in the game of politics when i had been out of the convent for a year or more i loved a youth and was loved in return but our marriage was laughed at put aside declared impossible because he was of a rank inferior to my own my lover disappeared i know not where or how then affairs changed my father died and it transpired that i had been officially betrothed since childhood to duke stephen's brother the count lorenzo the duke was my guardian and there was no one else to whom i could appeal but the very week set for the wedding i faced the duke and declared i would never marry the count his highness raged and stormed but i told him a few things i knew about his brother and i made him see that i was in earnest the next day i left Krovitz, and the duke gave out that i was ill and had gone to a health resort that the wedding was postponed i went to france and hid myself with my aunt took one of my own middle names and her surname and have been known for some time as you know as melanie rainier i know you wish to tell me all these things melanie but i do not want you to recall painful matters of the past now said aleck gently you shall tell me of them at another time the color brightened in melanie's face her eyes glowed no not another time you must understand now especially because all this preface leads me to what i really want to say to you it is this 
i do not now care for the man i loved at nineteen nor for any of the other men of my country who have been pleased to honour me with their regard but ever since those early days i have had a dream of a house a place different from duke stephen's house different from the homes of many people of my rank my dream has a husband in it who is a companion a friend my equal in love my superior in strength melanie's eyes lifted to meet aleck's and they were full of an almost tragic passion but it was a passion for comprehension and love not primarily for the man sitting before her she added simply and for my dream i give all the wealth all the love i have the room was very still aleck van camp sat quiet and grave his forehead resting on his hand he looked up finally at melanie who was beside him pale and quite worn poor child you needed me more than i thought was what he said but melanie had not quite finished no that is not enough that i should need you you must also need me want what i alone can give you match my love with yours and this i think you do not do you calculate you remain cool you plan your life like a campaign and i am part of your equipment you are a thousand times better than count lorenzo but i think your principles of reasoning are the same you do not love me enough and that is why i cannot say yes aleck had taken this last blow standing he walked slowly around and stood before melanie much as he had stood before her when he first asked her to marry him and this time as he looked down on her fairness there was infinite gentleness and patience and love in his eyes he bent over lifted melanie's two hands and drew her bodily out of her seat she was impassive her quick alertness her vitality her passionate seriousness had slipped away aleck put his arms around her very tenderly and kissed her lips not a lover's kiss exactly and yet nothing else then he looked into her face i shall not do this again melanie dear till you give me leave but i have no mind to let you go either you and madame reynier are going on a cruise with me will you get your maid to pack your grip it will be better for you than the professional advice which you came to new york for aleck stopped suddenly his practical sense coming to the surface heavens you haven't had any lunch and it's all times of the day he rang the bell begged the maid to fetch bread and butter and tea and to ask madame reynier to come to the drawing-room when she appeared he met her with a grave but in no wise a cowed spirit madame reynier your niece refuses for the present to consider herself engaged to me i however am unequivocally betrothed to her and i shall be endlessly grateful if you and miss reynier will be my guests on the seagull for as long a time as you find it diverting we shall cruise along the coast and put into harbour at night if it seems best and i'll try to make you comfortable will you come madame reynier was willing if melanie was and melanie had no strength if she had the will to combat aleck's masterful ways it was soon settled aleck swung off down the street rereading jim's letter intent only on the seagull and the preparations for his guests but at the back of his mind he was thinking poor girl 
she needs me more than i thought End of chapter five